This is Moving Pictures, and I'm your host, Brent Gunn. Too often I realize something being a BCA major here at CMU, and that is that filmmaking, a field in practice post-graduation I want to devote my life to, is soaked in toxic masculinity and male identity. If we can establish that filmmaking is an art form of communication by portraying human experience, and we can identify that it is important to have, then why do we seem content only hearing half of the population's artistic viewpoint on just that? If we only take attention to the male auteur's autistic indulgences and pretensions, then just how many great stories and experiences are we not hearing? What messages from the female experience are we ignorant of? Today, it seems like gender and politics are more connected than almost ever before in recent memory, and any kind of discussion on such topics is either liberal pandering or conservative hysteria. The act of even this, two white guys sitting in a room talking about female representation in a particular community is itself kind of problematic. So today, we just want to keep it simple and recommend to you all two great films by amazingly talented female directors that have both been recently released to critical and commercial praise. Anna Lily Amapour wowed audiences with her 2014 debut, A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night. Amapour described the film as an Iranian vampire spaghetti western, and the film is exactly that. Borrowing inspiration from everything to Alejandro Hordorowski and Rob Zombie, Amapour's stylish western gothic was an instant success, landing the newcomer in the film world's lenses for a follow-up, what would eventually be recently released The Bad Batch. The chaos of this world is vast and unknowable. We like to think we can understand. The Bad Batch is a continued experiment in style for Amapur, with her aesthetic eye and cinematic approach just widening and forming more and more. The film also continues Amapur's experimentation on the Western genre, with her latest film being centered on the chaotic, bleak dystopia of an American West filled with cannibal gangs in bright neon attire. The film is striking and surprisingly graphic in its violence. The dialogue is minimal, and in many parts of the film, Amapar shows an incredible amount of maturity in her direction and service to the audience by letting us, as an audience, observe the story rather than be told the story. Though the film has generated some small controversy over its content, Amapar has defended the film and its content. During a press conference for the film, Amapar was asked by an audience member during a Q&A if there were any racial innuendos implied in the film's excessive violence. Amapur heard the audience member out and respectfully responded with, just because I give you something to look at doesn't mean I'm telling you what to see. And honestly, I love this response. She defended her work and her art respectfully, and I agree with her point. The Bad Batch is an intense watch, but it's a rewarding one as well. The Yang to her previous films, Yang. The film has been recently selected to compete for the Golden Lion at the upcoming Venice Film Festival. Next, we'll be discussing the directorial debut from writer, actress, and now director, Greta Gerwig. Her debut, Lady Bird, recently released by A24 Studios, seems to encapsulate all of the charm found in Gerwig's work. Connecticut or New Hampshire, where writers live in the woods. Get into those schools anyway. Mom! You should just go to City College. You know, with your work ethic, just go to City College and then to jail, and then back to City College, and then maybe you'd learn to pull yourself The film focuses on the process of growing up, 
from a possibly rebellious, possibly confused, young girl's journey from Catholic school to finding herself in the middle of an awkward family struggle. While the synopsis may seem trivial and somewhat generic, Gerwig's directing has drawn me to the project for a while now. From her subtly complex millennial portrayal in the mumblecore staple Hannah Takes the Stairs, to one of her more recent and career-defining roles in 2012's Francis Ha, Gerwig is a uniquely personal comedic and cinematic voice. Her approach to character, writing, and now directing are all embedded in a deep immersion of naturalism and comfortability. With regards to her new film, Lady Bird, Gerwig stated that the film isn't wholly autobiographical, and instead she wanted to pursue the emotional truth in the film, what emotionally makes sense and is true for the character in this universe. Gerwig is no stranger to cinema, and according to recent interviews, she has no reason to stop directing. I plan on seeing Lady Bird as soon as it comes to a theater near myself, and I hope you would all do the same. So now, as always, we're going to have Mitch come back on. Mitch, introduce yourself. Hello, everybody. My name is Mitchell Kakalko, one of two news editors at Central Michigan Life, and one of two men here today to talk about women in cinema. Yeah, I, I needed to just get that out of the way. Like, we understand the uh, inherent, you know, problematic nature of this. But, hey, you got to just roll with the punches. Like, mm-hmm. you got to just... Talk about things that you care about, and that's all that we're trying to do today. And uh, also, we should probably just get out of the way. We're going to be briefly touching on um, some of the mis- uh, sexual misconduct, you know, uh, scandals stories, sca- scandals, and you know, issues floating around Hollywood. So if you're a little bit sensitive on that, you know, maybe skip the episode. But we're not going to be, you know, going into great detail with anything. Mm-hmm. Just a little bit of a heads up. So let's talk first about. Um, the Bad Batch, the new film by uh, Anna Lily. I'm always bad with her last name. Anna Lily Amapore. Amapore. That is such an interesting last name. Mm-hmm. I love her last name. Um, you really liked Girl Walks Home Alone at Night. Yes, you? I did. I rewatched that right before I wrote this episode, and I watched The Bad Batch. Now, I really like The Bad Batch, but I think I like A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night more. Mm-hmm. But... um. That this film is just like extremely not what I expected from her, but it's totally like at the same time it makes perfect sense for her to make it. Like hmm. okay. the violence in the film is just like extreme. Like there's there's mm-hmm. moments in the film where I was literally shocked that you know she went from kind of this like indie sweet kind of you know awkward very subdued very dark, subdued dark, subtle dark stylish romantic comedy almost yeah. To this, which is like an end of the world, stylish, just uh, extremely chaotic, just noise fest of a film. You know, I've heard it compared to Tarantino a lot. Would you? Yeah, I was going to bring up Tarantino. Actually, Um, that's a perfect segue. What you just did there. So, um, yeah, I got a lot of Tarantino vibes, uh, specifically like um, a little bit of like Pulp Fiction vibes, Mm, some Kill Bill vibes, definitely. the film, I don't think, takes itself too seriously, which is, you know, kind of refreshing. And I guess that could kind of segue into, you know, uh, I feel like now more than ever, we're going to get that opportunity to see more women uh, kind of break into the industry as directors and tell these kinds of uh, more artistically indulgent stories, mm-hmm. like more of a kind of a art- auteurist approach. What do you think? 
Yeah, I think um, A Girl Walks Home at Night was kind of um, opened the floodgates for um, this, like you were saying, this more um, female art, auteur um, driven wave of cinema. And, uh, you know, when I was writing this episode, I was just thinking about how, you know, in my classes right now, we talk about directors constantly. Mm-hmm. And I can't, I can't think of a single female director that we've talked about in one of my classes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you go through all of the great films ever made and you go through the great directors, you see like Martin Scorsese and, you know, all, all these figures, mm-hmm. you, you'll maybe see Sofia Coppola in there. Yeah. But as far as like American cinema goes, you don't really hear about many you know, female directors, but you know that they're out there. And I think you've been, it's kind of a sign of the times, you're hearing more about them um, in recent years. Like when you look at, like you mentioned Sofia Coppola, kind of like the rising tide of um, women being, um, finding their way into the movie making business. It's it's basically all all been since the 90s until now. Like there's very few um, kind of like, examples of women being given like the the reins to um, pursue their artistic vision in film um, before comparatively very recently. Yeah, definitely. Um, One thing that I've kind of started noticing in like my viewing is uh, I kind of pick out some things that I, you know, notice are traits that I would like typically identify with a male director or Mm -hmm. like how I kind of like identify it's kind of male aesthetic to the film. You know, like I was watching Buffalo 66 not too long ago. And that's one of my favorite films, but it's not, it's, it hasn't aged well socially. <laughs> I'll, I'll leave it at that. Um, and there's plenty of things that in the film where I'm watching, I'm like, you know, you probably couldn't really get away with that today. Mm. And it's interesting to see that dynamic change. And um, I'm just curious where like, the cultural language is going to go, you know, since um, all these, you know, sexual misconduct charges seem to be really uh, exposing that kind of male uh, toxic identity that seeps into a lot of mm-hmm. you know, filmmaking, uh, specifically something like Vincent Gallo's work, even though I do really appreciate him. I can't deny he can be a pretty not <laughs> great person. Um, yeah. Yeah, but I, I think I think that uh, we have a bright future ahead. Yeah, I think especially with um, cases like the Harvey Weinstein scandal and Kevin Spacey, you're kind of seeing, um, I don't know how I'd say it, maybe like a reversal of like who has all of the power in right. um, the film industry. And like looking back even months ago, like Weinstein was one of the biggest names, one of the most influential players in Hollywood, and now he's – that entire legacy just is just worth nothing. Almost. I mean, even uh, look at Louis C.K. recently. Louis C.K. Um, mm-hmm. Just about like a month or two months ago, I was watching a press conference of his, you know, for his new film, mm-hmm. and he, you know, wasn't like all that vulgar during the interview. He seemed really like composed, and I was just like, mm-hmm. you know, this is before like all the news broke. Mm-hmm. I was just like, wow, he's finally kind of like straightening out, and I can mm-hmm. see him becoming like a. Woody Allen type, but I didn't think mm. he'd, like, he'd actually become, like he'd a, Woody actually become a Woody type. Allen type. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's awful because, um, 
there's so many like people that I respect and I really enjoy some of their work, but mm-hmm. it seems like everywhere I look, you know, there's men doing terrible things in the film industry. And mm-hmm. I don't think that the solution to that is just, you know, uh, brushing it under the rug. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not just men that are doing it too. Like even Lena Dunham's a great example of, uh, woman who kind of is sweeping a lot of this crappy behavior under the rug which is you know nothing new for her but i feel like that kind of stuff is getting less and less tolerated because Mm -hmm. i mean we kind of have a call out culture like a twitter culture nowadays yeah it kind of goes goes checked more it is going to be interesting to see like just how this power dynamic in hollywood um evolves in the future especially after everything that's happened in the past couple months which is arguably one of the biggest kind of like um shifts in like the power dynamic in hollywood in recent memory yeah and i feel like um you know hollywood does this thing where um it can kind of indulge itself in this kind of like girl power pandering Mm -hmm. that, that does happen um, you see that with like Amy Schumer types. Yeah. Um, but I feel like specifically with someone like Greta Gerwig, who we're going to talk about a little bit more later, um, she really is the complete antithesis of that whole Amy Schumer thing because mm-hmm. she has really paid her dues. She started from the bottom, you know, was an actress. She did, you know, makeup, costumes, and just various films. And now she's directing a, you know, she, she has her, uh, first hit, you know, on her first film, mm-hmm. and uh, she's really doing fantastically. But she has such a subtle and really kind of nuanced sense of humor, and even just her uh, presence on screen is just so much more genuine than someone yeah. like uh, Schumer could ever be. You mm-hmm. know, so I feel like the audience, you know, demand is going to shift towards, you know, wanting something more like a Gerwig as opposed to a Schumer or a Dunham. I feel like that mm-hmm. wave is kind of done now. I feel like we've kind of moved past that. And now we can move on to, you know, giving uh, female directors and creators uh, a bit more of a chance and a bit more creative freedom. Mm -hmm. Like um, Lady Dynamite, have you ever watched that show? I've heard of it, but I haven't had a chance to watch it yet. Oh, let me, um, Lady Dynamite. It is a fantastic show and, um, uh, Marie Bramford. Okay. She was featured on a few episodes of Louie, but she's another fan. Like she, I believe she writes for the, for the show and, you know, comes up with all the stories and everything, mm-hmm. but it's a very multi-layered and multi-faceted and well-written show. And it's really funny. Um, I'd really recommend Lady Dynamite, but, um, so let's talk about Greta Gerwig now. Have you seen any of her work, like Frances Ha? I've seen Frances Ha. Like what, I, what do you think of Frances Ha? I really, I really enjoyed Frances Ha. Why? It was, it's, it was kind of. Um, I came into it knowing from like people who I know, um, um, who who are into film, who like really liked the movie. It was kind of this very. I think the way it was kind of advertised to me was kind of like the quintessential like coming of age millennial. Um, like relatable story, yeah, and that's and it really is. Um, when, when I watch it, like it, it really was genuine. Would like be the word that like I most attribute to it. It's a very emotionally, thematically genuine portrayal of um, modern young adult life, which you don't really see even in 
independent cinema. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, <clears throat> the first time I watched the film, I hated it. <laughs> like I turned it off after like 20 minutes because oh, okay. um, Noah Baumbach uh, is behind the film. He wrote and directed mm-hmm. the film with Greta Gerwig too. Yeah. But um, he did Squid and the Whale, which is like one of my favorite films mm-hmm. ever with Jesse Eisenberg and uh, Laura mm-hmm. Linney. And going from that to this, I was like, initially I was really disappointed. I was just like, this is just, I don't know. It's like a black and white movie about a girl in New York, like, like whatever. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, I kept kind of going back to the film and giving it more shots. And now I love it. Like last time I watched it, it really had an effect on me. It's one okay. of those films that really grows on you, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like when I was like first kind of like building up to watching the film, like watching um, clips of it on YouTube, it was I was kind of eh about it. Like like you said, like that's probably really the only way you can describe the film is a black and white film about a girl in New York. That's kind of the crux of the entire plot. It's yeah. just this slice of life. Um, yeah. And it, it does have its, you know, quirky, mm-hmm. you know, moments. But um, going from, you know, that film back to, you know, other things that she did, like uh, Hannah Takes the Stairs. Have you ever seen that? I haven't, no. It's like Francis Ha. But, like, everything is just much drier. Okay. Um, it's 2007, like, a huge mumblecore film, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of, like, supernatural dialogue, you know, awkwardness and stuff like that. Okay. Like, that mid-2000s kind of yeah. indie film, you know, uh, like, Oasis. Like, all of these films <laughs> sprang up, like, uh, Last City and stuff. Um but yeah, Greta Gerwig is fantastic. Um, mm-hmm. I really, really want to see Lady Bird. I hope it comes to a celebration pretty soon. But um, going back to The Bad Batch, I kind of wanted to talk about that film a little bit more. What did you think of uh, Emma Poor's response to the audience member who had a slight issue with the film? Do, do you need me to reread her quote? I, I do remember like what she said. I think... Um... If I'm remembering co- correctly, it was the audience member was upset about um, a black woman who was she, killed. There's in a the movie. there's a black woman who's killed in the film by the by, main protagonist. By the main correct? protagonist, who's a white girl, mm-hmm. and uh, the white girl then kind of takes the black woman's black child under her wing. Mm-hmm. Now, like I I watched the film and it, like it that scene never really struck out to me as like. No mm-hmm. kind of red flag really went off, mm-hmm. but um, you know, cl- clearly it, it did for this person. But um, uh, I really, really liked uh, Amapore's response that just because I give you something to look at doesn't mean I'm telling mm-hmm. you what to see. I yeah. feel like a lot of audiences and a lot of people nowadays just completely miss that point. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I feel like Amapore, um, particularly in this case. Like you, like we've said, took a very mature res- mature route to responding to that, which um, creators nowadays like often don't necessarily. And I think it com- continues to play into her not taking herself too seriously, mm-hmm. because um, it's really easy to take yourself too seriously, especially if like you released like two really good independent films. Yeah, she could very easily just be very kind of like a you know condescending mm-hmm. but um in every interview i've seen her she's very you know lively and really uh engaging and smart and uh i i just love this response so much because i feel the exact same way whenever you know i see people 
like criticizing uh, Tarantino even for you know something in his films. Yeah. Not everything that's included is uh, it's not giving it a pass always. You know, it, it's mm-hmm. just kind of giving you life. It's giving you a scenario. It's not, you know. Yeah. There's no real moralism to everything that you see. And I think um, her response, again, um, was very respectful as well to the audience member who had um, confronted her. And, like, she didn't necessarily say that you're wrong about this. Like, this is – you're wrong about my vision. She's saying we your vision about this might be different from what I put on film. And I feel like that's a that's a response that – I think we're going to be seeing a lot more of and hearing a lot more of. I feel mm-hmm. like that's a very millennial response. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, sometimes you kind of just have to like, you know, wipe your hands, just go different directions, you know. But um, do you do you think that moving forward, uh, we're going to see more and more uh, voices from, you know, men, women, uh you know, really anybody who has a voice in, you know, cinema to come forward. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would love to see, you know, uh, some great transgender d- d- director yeah. rise up. I would love to see the LGBTQ community um, find more cinematic cinematic voices to really kind of represent themselves because often they don't. Often mm-hmm. you get um, something like blue is the warmest color, which can be kind of an issue. Yeah, kind of. Um, a fetishistic take right and this. uh then 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 you get guys like um uh xavier dolan who mm-hmm. i think is a fantastic director mm-hmm. who makes really poignant intelligent films for the lgbtq community. yeah i think it's definitely the I'm, i can't really say if this is like how it's going to be for long into the future um for the film industry but that's definitely um the way it seems to be going with at least within the next few years when you when you had like moonlight a movie about a black gay man won best picture yeah. last year and you have movies like um call me by your name a lot of yes yeah i really lot, really want to see that when it comes to kind of marginalized communities including women people of color people of the lgbt communities they're definitely mm-hmm. even if it's still kind of heavily slanted towards the um, kind of monolithic, like male identity. It's still definitely um, becoming a much more prevalent thing in the film industry, and the fact that we can now n- actually name like a good like batch of female directors who are making names for themselves within the industry. Like, in addition to the ones that we've mentioned, there's um, Lynn Ramsey, yep. um, Ava DuVernay, um, Sofia Coppola, um, uh, the woman who just did Raw. Julia. Raw, Julia the Cornell. Yeah. yeah. And um there there is no shortage of talent. There's mm-hmm. just a, a shortage of there's sh- there's there's no shortage of talent. There's a shortage of exposure. And opportunities. And opportunity. That the exactly. S- system like allows these artists to kind of undertake. Because I, I remember, you know, when Brokeback Mountain mm-hmm. was like a new film. I remember yeah. how big of a deal that was. Mm-hmm. And um I'm just really happy that we're seeing more voices be heard. And I'm Mm -hmm. happy that um, I think we can kind of leave the male dominance of cinema in the past now. I Mm -hmm. think that that's slowly getting more and more eroded and it can Mm -hmm. be a more kind of equal playing field. Yeah, definitely. 
Well, that was a really good talk. Thanks a lot, Mitch. Oh, thank you. Hopefully we can continue to see a diverse range of experiences portrayed in the world of cinema. From Griffith to now, cinema has, from a structural standpoint, made relatively small changes. Now, this could be for a number of reasons, and it most certainly is, but maybe the stagnations are coming from exclusion, and as creators like Amapor and Gerwig have proven, these voices are not worth excluding. This has been Moving Pictures. I'm your host, Brent Gunn, and thank you for listening.